0: From the book of Isaiah. (coughs) Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. You have made the city a heap of rubble, rubble, the fortified town a ruin, the foreigner's stronghold a city no more, It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will honor you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a shelter from the storm, and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm driven against a wall and like the heat of the desert you silence the uproar of the foreigners as heat is reduced by the shadow of a cloud so the strong so the song of the ruthless is stilled on this mountain the lord almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad. In his salvation,
1: will you pray with me? O oh God, in whom we wait, and in whom we put our trust. Our hearts are full of courage this morning because we are together in your house and in the faces of each other. We see the beauty reflected in each one of us of your creation, just as we are and all that we are, perfect reflections of you. So as we wait to hear what you would have to say to us this morning, open our hearts, our ears, and our minds to the reception of the lessons you give to us for this day. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this day, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In my youth group growing up as a child in the 90s and the early 2000s, when we would go on these long bus rides to ski retreats or to the beach, We would play games, making up most of them to pass the time, because this was before iPhones, and usually even iPods, and if we didn't have extra batteries in our CD players, we were forced to interact with each other. And so we would load up our backpacks and our overnight bags with extra paper, pens, and pencils. And often we would play these games, if you know or work with kids, it's called MASH, or MASHED. Where you have options, four or five categories, or maybe more than that, depending on how long you want this game to last. Where you have to fill out categories like dream job, your spouse's name, favorite college, etc. Except in our youth group, the bunch of church nerds that we were, we had categories like denomination, (laughs) disciple, parable, and prophet. And then you would gradually eliminate the choices by drawing a spiral and counting the number of spaces into the center. So you had a number, and every time you hit that number, you crossed off a list. So that eventually each category had one entry left and those entries were supposed to predict your future or some nonsense like that. And to be fully transparent in my nerdiness, when I got to the category of prophet, I had to make the distinction between my favorite major prophet, which are just the longest ones, instead of the minor ones, which are just the shorter ones. And so my entry then, my favorite prophet then and now, is Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. 66 chapters long. Definitely a major book. Because it's in Isaiah. Isaiah where we find this ideal of God's holy mountain. The place where heaven and earth meet and all creation dwells in peace and harmony in the presence of God. It's the inspiration for paintings and songs. It's the ideal, almost the wishful return to the Garden of Eden when you think about it, how everything is living together, dwelling Predators are best friends with their prey. This Garden of Eden. And Isaiah writes about it in six different places, so it's obviously important to him. Because whenever Isaiah talks about the holy mountain of the Lord, he does so with what Walter Brueggemann calls the prophetic imagination. This is imagination that's not just wishful thinking, but it's generative, perceiving reality differently from the dominant perception and then inspiring behavior accordingly. It's the kind of imagination that is the portal for seeing the hand of God, the means for hearing the word of God, and the link between our deepest selves and our eternal destinies. It's an imagination that's rooted in the faithful memories of what God has done already and what God is always about. And it works to counter the despair that's always present, it seems like, with the energizing hope of God. And so in these early chapters, Isaiah is charged with writing to instill hope in a people that... Don't have it or feel like they've lost it. They're in exile and they need a reminder that the promises of God are sure, that God will help them endure the oppression, the injustice, and the displacement to get them through a life full of threats and realities of war and strife. And so, in this language that is prophetic poetry, really. Isaiah imagines an alternative reality that counters this dominant culture and experience of exile. So Isaiah writes intentionally about this mountain where God dwells, calling the people to remember that the God who led them out of bondage in Egypt to the foot of Mount Sinai set them apart with rules for life, to be a new kind of community, a beloved community, a kind of people that don't follow the dictates of Pharaoh or seek after a kind of power over others in society. But they are to be a people who follow a liberating, creating, and engaged God who calls them to remember their history and to create a new, hopeful history. A new story through faithful and joyful obedience. But Isaiah's hope, it is not a fairy tale promise of happily ever after if we just obey God. Hope is something that takes both individuals and a community to birth and to grow, to nurture and protect. Isaiah understands the power. Of hope, Because once the seed of hope gets planted in a person or community and takes root, that person or community is fortified by an unshakable internal core belief of being loved and chosen by God. So then, no matter what happens, age, accidents, heartache, intentional harm, a person or a community who knows they are beloved is able to look out on the world with eyes of compassion and insight able to understand that's what's happening around them and outside of them can't get inside of them this is the driving force behind the active nonviolent resistance practiced throughout history but most recently and perhaps most well known with Rev. Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. This unshakable commitment to claiming one's own belovedness and striving to recognize and relate to the belovedness in the other, even the oppressor. That is prophetic imagination in action. It reveals that the beloved community isn't just a heavenly vision of some diverse gathering on a sacred mountain in some future time. But it's a manifestation of what the psalmist calls the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And the land of the living is now, it's the land in which we are living, the land where reality is, creation remains in a state of unrest where nations are built and sustained by the prophets of studying war. And children and adults, both, are hurt, preyed upon, and taught by socio-economic and political forces that the only way to achieve success and power is to prey on others' weaknesses and vulnerabilities. So when prophetic imagination meets this land of the living. Something impossible becomes possible. Imagery becomes reality of a feast where all peoples can sit around a table of the Lord to eat and be satisfied. And in true God fashion, all means all. The survivors of oppression are here as well as their oppressors. The ones who were carried off into exile are there as well as the ones who did the carrying. Those who benefit from power and privilege and systems built in their favor are there as well as those who are not. Now this makes sitting down to this table a little more risky than it might first appear. And maybe it's because It's hard to sit down with people who are different than you. So we let it be a description of the heavenly banquet, the table that awaits us in the great by and by. But except here at Providence, we know this is a reality in the here and now. We have experienced the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living where all peoples can sit down every week it may not be in the same space every week, but they eat together, they worship together, share life together, and start to trust each other in a community that understands itself as beloved. That's why there's grief about losing the space. It's not about the space, but it's about the big space where this kind of community can happen. We lament the loss of the physical space. but we also know there is strength within. It's this internal core belief that when we get together, amazing things happen, impossible things become possible. We can become beloved community. And so is a congregation rooted in the prophetic imagination of the Holy Spirit. We're called to live as if the kingdom of God were already here in full, creating in our own ways as individuals and as a community spaces and places where all people can experience what it's like to be beloved. How do we do that? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) You're so quiet. Both the psalmist and Isaiah, I think, describe four commitments of the beloved community that I believe exists here and now as well as in the future that we're working towards. First, I think we are called to be a beloved community that does not fear. We're called to be mindful. We're called to be aware. But we are called to be unafraid not falling into the cycle of letting fear control us or using fear as a tool to instill in others for our own protection, to make people afraid of us. Because fear does not make us complete. What makes us complete is confidence and trust. These second commitments that the beloved community makes to claim confidence in the Lord is to believe God will make a way, though no way is now apparent, and to trust that in community, with God and each other, we go further than we can go on our own. This trust is not an intellectual expectation not to be let down. The trust is rooted in vulnerability and is most active when one is acutely aware that we need each other. When trust and confidence are kept private, unspoken or unshared, they tend to become personal projects of self-development and self-improvement that, like most New Year's resolutions, sort of decay into willpower. That doesn't work very well because it's a long year. Trust and confidence need the stimulus and the renewal that come from confronting and contemplating faith in community. A community where others are willing to be in this arena of faith with you. So third, being in the arena of faith as the beloved community offers us a myriad of ways to experience the divine. As the psalmist says, to live in the house of the Lord and behold the beauty of the Lord all the days of our lives. When we're here all together, pursuing and listening to the Spirit of God and the prophetic imagination, we inherit together as the body of Christ. Here is possible an intimacy with God that I found the best definition to be by Louis Ortez Fonseca, a speaker I heard on Friday at the Carolina Conference on Queer Youth in Charlotte, where he said that intimacy is in-to-me-see. You emphasize the syllables differently. Intimacy, in-to-me-see see. The ability to recognize myself in you and for you to recognize yourself in me because we have that close, trusting, confident, unafraid relationship. In seeking after the divine, the beloved community can say to each other, I love the face of Christ that I see in you. And to mean it, to especially to those we find it easy to love. And we practice with those that it's easy to love so that we can say and mean it to those we find difficult to love. I see the face of Christ and I love the face of Christ. I see in you. And so forth. when the beloved community is working on being unafraid, trusting each other, being confident, in the relationship of vulnerability. We can tell stories all day of the wonderful things God has done, is doing, and will do through us. The stories when God has been our refuge and shelter, our strength to persevere and our comforter, and our gracious host who calls us by name, speaks or signs or writes our language so we know in our own unique way that we are beloved, irreplaceable, and full of sacred worth. The beloved community of God knows God will come through and also knows that in prophetic imagination, we are prophets as well as priests to each other. And allowing God to use our lips to speak through them, our minds to think through them, and our hearts to love one another through them. The beloved community is not easy. If it were, everyone would be doing it. But it is possible. It is possible through the kinship of our brother Jesus, in whom all things are possible. So in a moment, as we take time to reflect, also taking a page from Louis Ortiz Fonseca, I invite you to consider three things you are willing to commit to today, or for this week, or for longer, as your part in the beloved community that manifests itself here in Providence. What are three things you're willing to commit to For example, what are the categories of faith that you might be willing to challenge, embrace, or reconsider? Where have you been going alone that you would be willing to seek companions for the journey? How might a bit of prophetic imagination in your life reveal to you goodness in the land of the living and call you to respond? Feel free to share as you are led in this time of silent reflection or verbal response or in deeper right after the service in the fellowship hall. Remember that God, our beloved host, provides you with everything you need to live life unafraid, full of imagination, trust, and confidence that the one you seek also seeks you and empowers you to be the living story of the wonderful things God has done, is doing, and will do through you. Amen.